Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with a bald faced truth. Well, we've got a Hall of Famer on our hands, Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. Jack Bolliard is a longtime official. He spent many of his weekends officiating uh, maybe some of your games or certainly games you watched over the years. He is a trial lawyer by trade, did that for three decades, but also moved through the ranks in college football. Uh, 17 bowl games, a white hat for the college football national championship game in 2007. He refereed high school games. He refereed Pac-10 and Pac-12 games and uh, has done a wonderful job over the years. He's now working with the Oregon Athletic Officials Association. He joins us now. Jack, thanks for giving us some of your time. Great. Glad to help, John. Give us an idea, first of all. We've been talking a lot about officiating on the show. Kind of just, you know, in general, when you hear about officiating and people bellyaching over the years, I'm sure as an official, you know in your heart that the guys out there, the men and women out there, are just trying to get the calls right. You know, absolutely. And uh, what a lot of people don't know is how much time and effort we put in in, in training, studying rules, watching video, and getting ready for the games. We probably spend, well, definitely more time training and, and getting ready for a contest than actually working the game. You know, people will probably introduce you like I did, and they'll say, hey, he worked the 2007 Florida-Ohio State National Championship game, and here's Jack Foliard. But you worked a whole bunch of games in your career prior to that. Let's talk about your start. You know, did you did you start calling Little League games or youth basketball games, or where did you start? You know, actually I did. I, I was uh, my first year in law school, and you take classes in the morning, and you have the afternoon's off, so I started working uh, uh, Pop Warner football and, uh, you know, like fifth, sixth grade basketball, pick up an extra bucks or so, and back in the day, we didn't get paid much, but there's enough to, you know, fill up my Volkswagen and get me a six-pack of beer for the weekend, so, and then it kind of, I kind of got hooked. I really enjoyed it, and, and then gradually you start working your way up to the junior high level and the JV and freshman and then perhaps varsity, and then Small college, if you're fortunate enough, then you might be able to get a, some assignments in, uh, you know, Division One college football. How did that dovetail with the law work that you were doing, or was it was it so different than what you were doing, as you know, in a, in a courtroom that you know it was it kind of fed your passion outside of the courtroom? Well, there is a there is a parallel. Uh, not I was also like you said, I was a trial lawyer representing doctors in hospitals, so I was an advocate. In trial, but I also filled in as a pro tem judge uh, when some of the judges were off for taking vacation or something, and that's the exact parallel to a referee is a, a judge in a, in a trial because in law you have statutes, in, in officiating you have rules, and in law you have uh, cases, uh, court of appeals cases that interpret the statutes, and we have our casebook, and of course our job both on the field and the court and in the courtroom is to make sure everybody has a fair shake at it. So there's an exact parallel between that 
experience that I had in my practice and also officiating. I've been talking a lot about continuity and comfort in, I think, in all you know, in all industries, even even sports radio, you know, comfort is confidence. You know, Pat Casey said it best at Oregon State. He wants his guys to be comfortable. He knows they're confident if they're comfortable. As an official, when are you most comfortable on the field? Think back in your career. When you when did you walk out there and just feel like, you know what, I know it cold. I feel prepared. I'm ready. That's a great question. I really haven't thought about it. Uh, I think it depends on the level. You, you, you When you first start out, you're working – lower-level games, and there comes a point probably after your first or second year we feel very confident. Then then you get to the next level, and there's a learning process there, and it might take a you know, number of games or a year or two. So it's kind of at each level. Uh, I, I do remember in my college career working my very first uh, Pac-10 at the time football game up at the University of Washington, and uh, I, I was not very confident. Luckily, nothing much happened, but if you get games under your belt, we call it snaps. The more snaps you get and the more uh, you realize you can do it at that highest level, the more confidence you gain. Is it harder? I've often thought about this because, you know, I used to umpire Little League games and I would think about the different levels. Is it harder to, uh, to referee or officiate as the level of play and skill and speed increases? Or is it more difficult when the games are sloppier and kids are just learning fundamentals and you're at the youth sports scene? Yeah, it, it, it kind of works both ways. Uh, I mean, you're right on in the sense that at the younger levels, crazy things can happen, and, and you got to be ready for them. I mean, like in Little League, guys might overrun bases and run around, and, and you got to figure out what the rules are and stuff. But the higher you go is a different type of, uh, of, of pressure, so to speak, because the games mean more. I mean, every game is important, but obviously there's a big difference between, say, back gym championship game and, and Saturday morning soccer. So it uh, it's a different kind of uh, of pressure, but but you're right. The lower levels, I mean, goofy things can happen. Whereas the higher levels, they're better athletes, and you can kind of anticipate exactly what you know may or may not happen there on the field or the court. We're talking to legendary official Jack Foliard, uh, who turned a part-time activity into his passion. Um, Jack, let's talk about the shortage of officials at the high school level. It's it's a national issue. It's certainly an issue here in the state of Oregon. About a third of the officials from just 2019, three years ago, uh, no longer with the organization, having a more difficult time recruiting, retaining. What is going on, in your opinion, with officiating in youth sports and high school sports? Yeah, it's becoming a, a real problem if it's not that already. In fact, crisis, and again, it's not just Oregon. It's all over the United States with the shortage of officials, and there's a lot of different reasons uh, I think the abuse that we take now, is, uh, particularly at the high school and lower level, is more is worse than it was years ago. Uh, but uh, also, uh, we get got hit hard with from the pandemic, and a lot of the officials uh, who are sort of toward the end of their careers decided not to come back. But we're having a hard time recruiting and filling the bucket that's uh, that's emptying. So, as you know, John, it's it's the so bad that uh, we're having to reschedule games. In some cases, games at the high school level uh, can't be played or they're not going to be played on a Friday night, for example, in football. And we're overworking our officials. I mean, the officials are working twice as many games a week than they normally would, which puts pressures on them and their family, et cetera. So I don't have an answer other than we just got to get out there and, and recruit as best we can. Yeah, for people who are interested, I will tweet out a link. Um, the OSAA has a 
website. I believe it's called New Officials. Is it newofficials.org or .com? What is it? John, it's .org, newofficials.org. Okay. Newofficials.org will take you to a contact page where you can put your name, your email address, your phone number in, sports you're interested in, uh, your zip code, and that can really get you started. It's obviously too late for high school football season, Jack, but uh, it, when do they start doing – when does the OSAA start doing training or the Officials Association start doing training for basketball? That, that's actually not that far away. Uh, you know, typical season starts around the 1st of uh, December, so we're talking uh, mid-October or so when the, when the training sessions crank up, uh, or at least by the end of October. So now's the time, if anyone's interested in high school basketball and wrestling and the winter sports, is to get contact our local association through that website and get going. The idea that we've got parents and maybe a culture that's out of control, uh, the criticism of officials in youth sports, uh, parents, you know, I'm speaking to a lot of our audience here now, like, you know, you're at games, I'm at games. I think we got to hold each other accountable. But we also need to be reasonable with what we're watching here. Give me an idea, Jack, from an official standpoint, how big do you think the fan behavior and the abuse of officials, how big is that in this equation where there's a shortage? Well, I think it's pretty big um, I, because in my long time of working officiating, it's, it's probably worse now than it was when I first started. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is that uh, fans have at times unreasonable expectations for high school officials, and, they, and the reason is because now they can watch the professional officials, NBA, you know, uh, soccer, baseball, football, on TV, and they expect that these second, third, fourth-year officials at the high school level should perform exactly the same way, and that's just not going to happen. I mean, that's just sort of a, a, a given, if you, if you will. So, uh, and also, unfortunately, you know, we hear every week about assaults on officials throughout the country. There have been many, many actual physical assaults on officials, and we've had instances in Oregon where we haven't had any assaults, to my knowledge, but we've had parents or fans, I guess, you know, follow and scream at officials as they try to get to the car after contests. That's very discouraging. That's brutal. I mean, if you're out there and you're listening and you see a parent who's following an official to their car, I would hope that you'd intervene. And if you're a parent who's following an official to their car, give yourself a reality check and ask yourself if maybe you've lo you've become unhinged here. We're talking to Jack Foliard, who is a longtime official uh, in the Pac-10, Pac-12, youth sports, high school sports. He's done it all. He is in the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about the Pac-12, but I'm worried about youth sports. And I think it, it starts there. And if we can, Jack, I think if we can create really good officials in the youth sports realm, maybe get them a little more money, maybe get them better training, maybe invest in sort of building them up, I think that will translate in better officials in high school games, small college games, Pac-12 games. Who knows where it goes? Because I worry that we're, we're, uh, we're eliminating maybe some future stars in the officiating ranks by by having, uh, you know, knocking them out at the youth sports level. You know, that's actually an excellent uh, concept, uh, and I think it patterns after other professions. Uh, yes, we put a lot of, we put a lot, if we can put a lot of energy and resources, et cetera, at the lower level, then attract more more folks into the, into the avocation. 
then obviously it's going to bear fruit at the end when people get to the very top of their particular sport, whether it be top college officiating or even into the, into the professional ranks. Jack Folliard is with us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm even thinking about, you know, nonprofit organizations. I'm thinking about conferences like the Pac-12 and others that could get involved, businesses that are listening who, who would say, look, well, I want to invest in youth sports and, you know, you got kids who play sports. Why not invest in the official association? And I, I imagine that the pay is modest. I imagine that, um, you know, it's a shoestring budget probably for some of these organizations. Would that be a help? You know, you know, if the BFT Foundation came out, for example, the nonprofit we're associated with, and said, "Look, we want to, we want to invest in good officiating and make it a little more lucrative," or other businesses came out, like, what, what role could the community play? I guess is what I'm asking, Jack. Yeah, and of course, it's uh, I use the word resources, but of course, when we say resources, we're talking about finances, which can help a lot. Uh, officials at the high school level were paid by the high schools themselves, and of course, they have limited budgets, and the OSAA. Uh, goes through a process every few years to take a look at the fee schedule for officials, and we're going through it right now, and I'm sure there's going to be some increases, which will help immensely. But I'm also thinking now, you know, putting on training conferences and seminars and, and bringing in some what we call in the in the hobby heavy hitters, uh, maybe from the professional ranks, to teach, help teach at, at, at that level, uh, at the lower levels, and, of course, that takes some funds to do that. But that, no, really getting getting the business community and the community involved uh, in helping to improve officiating um, is, is great. But I, I, got, I, got to ask, I have to say that, you know, we focus as a society on the missed calls. Uh, but people forget, you know, how good and how accurate officiate officials are overall. I mean, we're in the 99th percentile. But, of course, it's not, it's not popular. Uh, for the media to uh, talk about a great, fantastic call an official makes. Because if you think about it, John, the expectation is that we're supposed to be perfect and get better from there. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, when nothing happens, nobody says anything. That's probably a really well-officiated game, and nothing is said, nothing is written about it. Jack Foliard is with us. Did instant replay in television, has that helped or hurt officiating I'm, I'm on the fence given that you know we can see replays we can all we can see how good the officials are sometimes but other times you know you're on the field you don't have the benefit of a replay you don't have the benefit of slowing things down like we do in our living room no that's true but i tell you as an official instant replay is fantastic uh we want to get it right by any means possible and the, at the higher levels the athletes are so fast and so quick and we get that one, you know, split-second look at whether the foot was on the sideline or not. Uh, I always have Joe Schmidlap sitting at home in front of his big TV can can figure out what should have happened, and why not have that resource available to us? So, uh, by and large, the vast majority of officials like instant replay because, we, like I say, we want to get it right. Now, the other flip side of that is you're right. Maybe the expectation is. Uh, you know, maybe we are missing calls that we shouldn't miss. But remember, every time you see an instant replay, I mean, you've got the people in the booth, slow motion, back and forth, freeze frame, and the uh, the uh, talking heads, I call them, on the TV, they'll take a look at it, too, and then they'll make the right call. Well, we don't, as you say, we don't have that benefit. We've already made our call in an instant. But by and large, I think instant replay is good for the game. Now, you, you did this at a high level for a long time on the field. I got to know, because you were around a lot of high-profile coaches, 
you know, I always see the coaches barking at the officials during the game. They're working them a little bit, trying to get them to look for the holding or look for the look for the offsides or look for this or that. Um, what is that like as an official when you're out there, you've got a job to do, and then over your shoulder you've got, you know, somebody lobbying you or maybe even yelling at you? Like, you know, I you've probably seen it done well and done poorly. Well, I get a kick out of that because uh, it's like uh, – um, now think about this, John. You're sitting there thinking about writing your article, starting to write your article, and you've got three or four guys over your shoulder telling you what to write and not to write and screaming at you as you type type along. You're probably not going to do a great job, but we get, you know, we get used to that. And uh, I've always got a kick out of uh, the coaches. Sometimes at, at any level, they they think that they're supposed to school us and supposed to get on us and help out. Well, I can control my consciousness absolutely. I'm not going to pay attention to it, but can I control my subconscious? So my advice to coaches is to be sweethearts. I mean, there's nothing bad about that. There's nothing wrong about that. But, again, you have to have a thick skin. We know that going into the hobby of the fishing. We have to have a thick skin. Uh, but, again, you know, coaches, they're excited. They've got a lot of a lot of stake, and they're working real hard all week, and they see something they think is wrong, whether it is or not. Uh, I can understand it, that they're going to holler at us. Did you ever have a coach that you just you enjoyed calling the games because you knew – that even if you missed one, you got one right, that that, that person understood? Were, were there coaches that were more fun, I guess, to, to officiate than others? Oh, yes, definitely. But uh, please don't ask me for any names. <laughs> I love it. Jack Foliard, hey, I appreciate you. Again, for people who want to get involved, uh, newofficials.org. that right? Newofficials.org. You can get started if you want to. Become a sports official. That's where you start. You can get the training, find out everything you need to know about it. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Get involved. Uh, we'll all do what we can as a society. If you're out there and you don't want to be an official, at the very least, stop yelling at the official at your kid's game. Understand that they're out there. They're doing their best. They're trying to get it right. Jack Foliard, I appreciate you. Yeah, and uh, one last thing I'd like to say is uh, I realize we're talking about the shortage and sometimes about fan abuse, but by and large, it's a wonderful avocation, wonderful hobby. I have lifelong friends all over the United States because of officiating, and you're giving back to uh, to the kids, getting a lot of outdoor and then sometimes indoor activity, physical activity, and you're contributing. So hopefully the folks realize that the, 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 the benefits and the pros of officiating far outweigh the cons. Jack Fulliard, you're the best. Thank you. Right. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Next time you're at a sporting event, maybe maybe don't yell at the official, especially if you're at a youth sporting event. Maybe uh, when you walk in, go, hey, uh, look around. I'm not at a pro game. None of these people are making uh, $50 million a season. So uh, adjust your expectations accordingly. Leave it here. You get the bald face truth statewide. I hate that I have to say that. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I think there's a pretender or an imposter, one and the same, in the top 15 of the AP poll. And I think this pretender is from the Pac-12 conference. I'll tell you what I mean about that coming up in a moment. Anna's popped into the studio. I have to know from a fan perspective, Anna, you were in the stands on Saturday night at Research Stadium. USC was playing Oregon State. 
what were your immediate takeaways for people who, who were there, weren't there? What was the atmosphere like? I was in the press box. I was on the other side of the stadium. Yeah. So I didn't get the true fan experience. No, that place was rocking. I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like the noise is condensed now since everybody's just on one side and we're all squished together. But uh, I felt like the enthusiasm from the fans was just at a super high level. I think people are really excited about how Oregon State is playing. Obviously crushed at the end uh, with the loss because with the late touchdown from OSU, I think people... USC. Uh, from no from Oregon State like I think oh. they really thought they had the game in hand you know people were up like there was hope there was sort of like victory within the grasp and then as USC started to drive on those uh, on that on those first downs it was uh, you could see the air just go out of the room I thought it happened I thought the big moment for USC is when they had the ball on their own one yard line and they drove it out Mm-hmm. And they drove the length of the field. Yeah. Because to me, that was the game. Mm-hmm. Like, there was Oregon State. You had them pinned. They even had them on third down. And USC threw the ball. And yeah. so it was, uh, I thought that was the moment. And then what happened at the end of the game? Like, you know, I saw the USC players run to midfield and kind of do snow angels on the beaver. <laughs> you were over there with Oregon State fans. What was the reaction to that? It was kind of cute because they were... Like, there were grown men that were genuinely offended because that was happening. They were yelling uh, down to the field saying, get off the beaver, get off the beaver. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it was, it was kind of sad because they were, they were really they were genuinely uh, upset, genuinely upset and offended yeah. that that was happening. And I didn't blame them. It was really, you know, when did that, did that, when did that start being a thing? Steven, Sean, do you know, like I. I remember Troy Dye at Oregon when Oregon beat Washington at Washington doing a snow angel on the W at midfield. Well, He the, did it. Just yeah. celebrating that at midfield. The first one I remember is T.O. He was the first one to oh, do the that. the star. Yeah, when he, when he did a thing on the star. And so I think – and then Baker did it at uh, Ohio, was, State. Ohio State. Yeah, he planted the flag. So this is uh, – the the loss of civility started with T.O. and Baker Mayfield. I think <laughs> so. I think that's so. where yeah, we can trace fact. it back to. Well, one of the students – like, people didn't report this, but a student jumped out of the stands at Reeser Stadium when this was happening and tried to defend the honor of the Beaver emblem at midfield. He made it about 10 yards onto the field before he was tackled by state troopers and security guards <laughs> and then dragged uh, 90 yards across the field <laughs> – I don't know if he got arrested or just escorted out. I'm hoping just escorted out. But he was trying to defend the honor of the Beaver. He jumped out of the stands, and they just face-planted the guy. I saw that. I mean, you could tell there was some kind of skirmish going on closer to the tunnel. And then it was very noticeable because you could see the Benton County Sheriff's deputies, like, you know, hauling it down the down the field like they were down on the other end zone and they were they were bolting to that tunnel to try and you know tamp down that situation i wondered at first if oregon state was piping in sound because it was so loud like yeah with the sound system but i checked on it i kind of walked around on the west side of the stadium to see like was were they using the speakers to make it loud and it wasn't coming from the speakers it was coming from the east side of the stadium like all the noise was coming from the east side of the stadium and i think it was just there's a new structure there like it's really built up it's more built up than i thought it would be Mm -hmm. uh, like sooner like it looks more ready 
Yeah. It looks like all they have to do is put in the seats, right? I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stuff that needs to happen, but it looks like they just need to put in seats and say go. But I think it's bouncing, like all that noise from 27,000 people is bouncing <laughs> off the concrete and then being reflected back at the east side. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. But yeah, I, no, I kind of wondered. I thought Oregon State in general just, they did a great job. You know, they always do a good job, but um, I think at this game, I haven't been to that many games in general. You know, I've been to Ducks games too. But I think they do a really good job, like, emphasizing the family event. You know, they've got a great setup, uh, like, on the football practice field yeah. where you can go throw a football and, and sort of like a, a pep rally, you know, pregame and everything. And for people that have, like, littler kids, like, that's a long day, right, to try and go down Which there. Which was and... the – that was the predicament you were in because it was you, right. <laughs> you, the six-year-old and the eight-year-old. I was working. Yes. You were just kind of hanging out at the game Yeah, with at a 6.30 girls. start. Yeah. So, you know, with a bedtime that's closer to, like, 7.30, that's, that's kind of challenging. So even in the stadium, they have, like, a family zone, too, that – we made use of in the second half because that's a long, long time for like little ones to sit through. I, uh, there was a lot of uh, talk on today's show, and I just want to touch on this a little bit about officiating. The uh, OSAA, the state of Oregon, uh, state of Washington, in fact, nationally, there is a, ep- there's an epidemic going on. Is that, is that the right word? Epidemic? Uh, it, Too soon. They are, yeah, they are struggling to find officials. People don't want to officiate youth sports games or high school games. I think we're probably five to ten years away from this hitting college athletics where they go, hey, there's a real shortage of qualified college referees. It's nothing that anybody in the Pac-12 wants to hear, okay? So given the problems. But we're trying to drill down on what it is. Is it civility? Is it the lack of pay? Is it that... You know, the freshman and JV games that happen in high school start often at 3 or 4 o'clock and people can't get off work to go do it. Um, why do you think people don't want to be youth and high school officials anymore? They're saying they are down 33% from two years ago on their officials. They're having to reschedule games because they can't find officials to call the football games and they're really worried about basketball. Well, like most things, I think it's, you know, multiple reasons Um, probably the officiating issue is part and parcel with a lot of other industries that are having problems filling positions. I mean, everywhere you look right now, it's, we're hiring. Please come work with us. Here's our bonus that we'll give you if you sign up with us to to work. And so, I mean, I I don't think it's isolated from that sort of hiring challenge. But who in their right mind wants to be an official these days? I mean, Every report that you see every day is about fans behaving badly and players behaving badly. And when you blow a call, you know, the vitriol that you get from people. Like, who honestly wants to sign up for that? I I wouldn't. I think it's a big problem. And I think the, the bill is coming due at the high school and the youth level. Look out for when, uh, you know, they can't find officials that are qualified to, to uh, call college games. Uh, Alex is in Eugene listening on Fox Sports. Eugene wants to join the conversation. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, John. How are you, man? Doing well. Good. Love your show. Uh, definitely one of the best sports and committee talk shows there are. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I think it's civility, and I think it's not – I mean, we talk about the fans. We talk about the players. But about 15 years ago, my kids were in uh, kids' sports doing junior soccer, Bumblebee. 
and I got to the game late because uh, I had to work. And as I'm walking out, there's a parent who's just mad. And he's like, I'm calling kids sports. And my wife looks over and she goes, oh, Alex is here. He'll take care of it. And I'm like, what's going on? And the, the referee was a 14-year-old gal, third-grade kids, and the opposing coach is cussing and screaming at her every yeah. time she does something he doesn't like. And so my wife gave me free reign to take over, and I just went over and stood by him the whole rest of the game. And every time he did something, I'm like, man, is that really the way you want to represent yourself? Yeah. And it yeah. took, I don't know, maybe five minutes before he decided that he would be civil. But, I mean, you start picking on young kids, why do they want to progress any further? Yeah, right? it's true. It's a good point. Uh, we had a friend. Like, okay, because, you know, our kid is playing volleyball. And what they had in volleyball is they have an official who is up on the net, like the lead official is up on that lifeguard stand that's by the net. And then you have kids from other teams who are like 13-year-old kids who are serving as the line judges. And they're doing it because they it helps teach them the rules of the game. It helps teach them like empathy for officials because once anybody has done any of this crap, you know how difficult it is. Well, our friend, who's a good guy, he's a normal, well-adjusted person mostly, he started in on the 13-year-old kid who missed a call. Like, she missed the call. She blew the call. But he was really hot about it. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I walked over and talked to him. And I was like, hey, man, that could be your kid. <laughs> yeah, but she missed the call. Well, yeah, and that's I get the it. Thing. She missed the call. I get it. <laughs> I, it, it, yeah, it bugs me, too. But this is a great opportunity to learn a little bit about adversity. You missed the call. For the grown-up parent to we're, learn about adversity. Yeah, we're going to learn. We're going to live. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Well, and what I like about Alex from Eugene is that he wasn't just a bystander. You know, we teach our kids, like, be upstanders, don't be bystanders. And he did something about it. Like, he went and checked that coach, another adult man, to be like, dude, chill. Like, seriously, yeah. is this really what you want to do? You really want to, like you know, tear down a 13- or 14-year-old kid who's making maybe 12 to $15 an hour to officiate this third-grade game? Give me a break. I wrote about it at johnconzano.com this morning, and I, I did get some emails from people who said, look, uh, there's a shortage of officials. There's also a shortage of teachers. Is the same thing going on? I, I sort of suspect some of the same things are going on, because I think teachers work long hours. They probably look at the pay and go, hey, I can be making a money, uh, more money doing other things. I don't want to deal with the parents over-involved, uh, you know, hovering parents. Um, I think there's some of the same issues. Let's go to the phone lines. Eric's in Portland. Eric, welcome. Hey, thanks. So I am a teacher and an OSAA coach. And let me tell you, um, the last couple of years, thanks to COVID, we had a number of teachers a uh, number of coaches who were in their, you know, mid to late 50s, early 60s, people who were hanging on, maybe they've been teaching 20, 30 years, and, you know, they were going to be able to do it for another five or ten years. We depended on their experience and their excellence to help raise up that next generation. The problem is they all up and quit. Uh, not every single teacher at that age, but I, I'll tell you, a good majority of them did because COVID was so difficult to navigate. Uh, there was so very little support. We, yeah, we had more funding but we didn't have support and we weren't seeing kids in the way we were used to seeing them. So now 
uh, like even in teaching in the state of Oregon, we, we're giving emergency licenses to kids who don't even have a college degree, and we're saying, good luck. Here's a classroom full of kids that you know nothing about or how to teach yet. You just know your subject matter. We'll try and raise you up and get you the best way we can. Good luck. That's hard, man. That's wow. really hard. And look, I think you know the pandemic played a, a, a big chunk of a role in this because I do think you had people who – we're doing officiating as a side hustle, and yeah. let's say it's, let's say it's 2019. Mm-hmm. You, this is your side hustle. You're calling high school football games or youth sports games. Now all of a sudden the games are gone. Maybe you started making birdhouses. Maybe you started, you know, you became uh, somebody who found another hobby. Like I don't know. Maybe you started, you know, you pulled out your baseball cards and started selling those. Like you found some other avenue for your side hustle, and I think. Uh, you know, to the caller's point, like a lot of the officials were people in their 50s and 60s who could be available at three or four o'clock and maybe were working jobs that they could be available. Or maybe they were teachers who were also coaching or umpiring or officiating. So I think all of this kind of goes together. But I do think fan behavior is part of it. I want solutions. 503-417-7575. Plus, there's an imposter in the Pac-12, and it's an undefeated team. I'll tell you who it is coming up. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.